Hello and welcome to Wealth of Knowledge. I'm your host, Antonio Barbera, and this week we have a great episode on small business revitalization. At Principal, we get it. You have big plans for your money, but sometimes life has something else in mind. There are twists and turns you never see coming. Twists like job transfers and turns like new family members. Life doesn't always go according to plan. We can help you plan for that. Principal. Investments. Retirement. Insurance. Start today at Principal.com. Principal National Life and Principal Life Insurance Companies, Principal Global Investors, Principal Securities, Inc. Member SIPC. Member Companies of Principal, Des Moines, Iowa. Joining the show are Amanda Brinkman, creator and host of the show Small Business Revolution, and renovation expert and co-host Ty Pennington to talk about their show and general tips and tools for helping small businesses spruce up their marketing profile and improve their business space. Also joining to offer her insight is U.S. News real estate editor Devin Thorsby. Devin, thanks for coming on. Happy to be here. Devin and I spoke with Ty and Amanda separately, so the first half of the episode will be our conversation with Ty, and then we'll bring you our chat with Amanda. So let's get started. Ty, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, yes. So Deluxe, a small business financial services company, created the show Small Business Revolution, where you and Deluxe's chief brand and communications officer and show creator, Amanda Brinkman, go out into one small town each season and revitalize and transform a group of small businesses there. How did you get involved in this project? Well, honestly, when I heard about it, uh, I was like, wow, what a genius concept. Um, One, uh, because... Honestly, I believe it's the future of not only entertainment, but it's the future of, of, of sort of marketing and advertising for a company instead of just running commercials. Why not go out and you know really put your money where your mouth is and, and show what your company does, but in a way that really benefits a community? Um, so I wasn't on the first season, but when I heard about it, I was like, wow, why didn't you call me first? Because it's exactly what I love doing. Um, not only on, on the show like Extreme, where we go in and you know a community rally around uh, one family, but I also did a show on Food Network called uh, American Diner Revival, where we went in and we did over these diners. And you realize in a small town on Main Street, the diner is sort of like City Hall. It's where uh, it's literally where the characters and the, the the spirit of the town sort of hangs out. And it was in that environment that I realized the power of like the small town and the spirit behind it and how everybody will rally behind certain business that, that, the, that they love and they're passionate about. But the idea of going in and helping six different businesses at the same time was sort of like groundbreaking to me um, because it really does have an impact on these small towns that you know, get overlooked by the big chain stores out by the expressway. Um, and you know, my mom grew up in a small town like that. And that, that whole spirit of like, I guess, old world America is a little bit gone. And I think there's, there's, there's a reason why we should really care because I think we all want to live in a community where you could walk down the street and sort of be near where the, the spirit of the town is. Um, and nobody wants to see any more of the boarded up businesses. You know, we want to see that really come back. So the idea of going in and being hands-on and, and really working with these businesses and giving them the confidence, giving them the uh, the experience, the materials, uh, and everything they need to not only revamp their business, but whether it be cosmetically, um, financially, but also technology-wise, um, you really see them grow. And when we come back and check on these businesses, it really has changed. They really have had a huge impact. Um, and you walk away and you realize you haven't just helped one family, you've really helped so many families because that family business it's not just a gift of like, here, here's a home. This is, this is them learning the tools they need 
to make their dream and their passion successful. And so you're really giving the best gift of all, which is proof that their, their idea will work. They just need a little bit of assistance. You've created a name for yourself through shows that a few that you just mentioned, Trading Spaces, Extreme Makeover, Home Edition. What's been different for you about working on this show? Has, has all of your existing knowledge carried over or have there been nuances in how you've approached projects on Small Business Revolution? Well, look, I'm, I'm like anybody else in the sense that um, I like learning new things. I like doing new things. I like being in, um, you know, in, in new environments. But the experience I've had from the other shows definitely comes into play here when you're talking about how you can renovate or you can open up space or you can make something have more curb appeal so people walk in the door, uh, especially in your storefront. But at the same time, you're, you're also learning things from uh, some of these business experts that uh, you didn't even realize make so much sense about how you run your, your business financially, how many employees you have, the type, the hours you keep with a, with a business, uh, what your presence is like online, not to mention um, how can you get it out and do guerrilla advertising and get it in the hands of people that may not be walking down the street. So I'd sort of opened my mind, my mind just on, on what it's like. Look, I think the future of all of this is we all want to be self-employed. We all want to have independence to come up with a great idea and make it successful. So I think the, the things that you're seeing and you're learning on this particular show, um, we all benefit. And so for me, I love watching it happen and being a part of it because you're, you're not only helping someone um, really focus on what they want to become their, their dream, but you're seeing the tools work. You're seeing what happens when that belief gets instilled in somebody. And then the synergy of the town working with the other businesses and the other businesses working with the other businesses. Um, and that's how it works. That's what community means. Uh, so for me, it's, it's really seeing like dreams come true, which is what I've always loved being a part of, but being, able to not only give my expertise, but also learn from other experts. For me, it's an incredible process. So um, yeah, it's great takeaway, it's great fun. In the end, you it's almost like a pep rally for a town because everybody gets so amped. Um, and because I've literally traveled the, the United States building homes and working on different projects across America, I, I love the spirit in small towns. And so to be able to see that sort of them get uh, the attention and the spotlight that they deserve. Um, I love it. It's something that uh, I'm passionate about. And what's really cool about the show is you learn something new about running a successful business each and every episode. Great. For a lot of small business owners, I imagine their knowledge of renovating and building out a commercial space is really limited to what they've actually done in their own home. Um, and so I'm curious if they're, you know, renovating at home versus renovating a commercial space, if you see that there's a different approach that people need uh, keeping a commercial space in mind. Well, of course. I mean, you, you've certainly got some code. I mean, you know, things are um, zoned differently, that's for sure. Um, but, in you know, overall, it's it's about cosmetically making it attractive to come in the front door. But then it also has to be functional because you need to maximize the amount of serving tables you have. At the same point, you don't want to block too much traffic. You don't want to waste uh, certain space. So it, it is completely different in the sense that you're using the space that you have completely differently. Instead of just lounging, enjoying your, your own personal time at home, it's about maximizing uh, as much positive consumer space as you can to get as many tables, get as many um, customers in. And of course, keeping a flow open so that you don't get people bogged up standing in line um, and making it look like it's not a fun place to be. So 
there's a lot of different aspects that come with it, but I love that kind of challenge. Not to mention you want good lighting, but you don't want the kind of lighting that makes the food not look attractive. So yes, it's, uh, it's different, but I love that challenge that, that each restaurant, each client, each customer, um, each business is completely different. We're in season four of Small Business Revolution now, so the show has had time to grow and to change, but also I assume you're really hitting your stride now with what works. So what are some of the hard and fast rules to revitalizing a small business that you've seen and worked on with the show? Well, the, the what seems to work really well, honestly, is is what, what I love is this, is like, look, um, I think as the popularity of our show um, grows, the confidence that the other business owners have in us. And that's important because let's face it, we all sort of want to be um, business owners ourselves, right? But the last thing we want is someone to show up and say, hey, you're doing this wrong. You could do this so much better, right? Which I think is great about the about Amanda and the Deluxe team is they don't really do that. They're just saying, you're doing great. We're just going to show you how you can do this better. Um, and I think what a lot of people don't realize is how important um, – Brand marketing really is and making a great logo, uh, which is something I studied even in graphic design back in art school, but, and making sure they have an online presence. You know, you got different generations, you got different people who believe, you know, word of mouth is one way, et cetera, et cetera, but you have to cover every category. But I think what's changing is that people are seeing that we really are making a difference because these businesses are becoming very successful from the experience and some of the advice they're getting from these experts that we're bringing in. And you gotta remember like these guys are getting not only um, physical change, financial change, but they're also getting the best in the business to come and talk to them. So if you run a restaurant, you're getting a guy who, you know, uh, has got, you know, five-star restaurants that are coming in to tell you how to run a successful business. And so you got to remember, that's what you're getting. You're getting expertise, you're getting experience and you're getting people who've been, designing logos and, and, and branding and packages and all of that for years. So you're getting the best in the business and they're actually focusing on your business. Uh, so in the end, of course, you're going to see success. And I think that's what is, is awesome to see is when we walk away, the business is doing better. They're feeling much more confident and the town itself is becoming well-known because we've kind of put them on the map a little bit. So now it's becoming a tourist destination. And sometimes that's what you need is just to be known that you exist. The fourth season takes place in Searcy, Arkansas, um, which by my counts is about an hour from Little Rock, which is uh, the closest bigger city. I can imagine that both starting and revitalizing a business uh, in a small town farther from a major city center poses some additional obstacles. Is there a different approach a business owner has to keep in mind to both serve the local community and try to attract new people as well? Well, yeah, I mean, you certainly have your challenges because, um, but I think that's, I think that's exactly it. You know, um, for season four, we're in Searcy, Arkansas, and it's a small town. It's about an hour and a half north of, of Little Rock. But because it's an hour and a half away from the major city, you do have to become self-reliant because, I mean, look, you're going to, you're really going to have to focus on the people that are around you because no one's going to drive an hour and a half down to Little Rock to get coffee, to get breakfast, to get lunch, to get dinner. So you realize like you've got, you've got an asset because you are going to be the one and first spot people are going to get to because you're the closest. Um, but I think the challenge is, is you have to make sure that you're well known to everybody in the community. 
And I think that's one of the, some of the mistakes some of the businesses make is they, they think they're just going after one clientele when if you really open it up to everyone, you sometimes are missing out on 40% of your, your customers. But you have to make sure that everyone in the community in all different sections are, are working together and know about you. Um, and I think that's, that's a challenge sometimes we always have in societies like, oh, those guys don't know about us because they never come in anyway. But what if you let them know that you exist? Come try it out. Um, so yeah, I think, I think the challenge is sometimes with a small business is your location. But if, if you're on Main Street, that's a good thing because we all want to see those come back. We all want to see that spirit and that vitality come back in the town. Um, and that's really what the show is all about. But I, I, think, I think it's about really finding your identity. This show is about showing people they're onto something, but we can polish that and really showcase who you really are. And uh, what I love about the people we've met that run these businesses is they, they really do have a, a strong personality. They, they have strong beliefs in who they are, what they want and what they want to be known for. Um, and that's, I think, one of the first things you need to, to have in a business is to be different than the person next door. Designing a business space has two purposes, uh, needing to make it possible to work and provide the service, uh, but also being inviting and comfortable for clients or customers. How do you find the balance between those two purposes, uh, especially for somebody who might have a limited budget when it comes to that renovation? Well, you know, we, we really, um, we sort of balance that out because not every business is going to need let's just say a huge physical transformation, but another business might. Another business may be successful, but they don't know how to expand to become even more successful. So maybe you do one physical change, which opens up um, even more room for them to, to have more customers come in. But it's interesting because each business is different. And so you can really balance out like um, sort of an equal amount of, of care and attention because everybody has specifically different needs, which is great. Um, but, uh, but yes, it, it varies, depends on what business. Uh, some people already have a perfect space. They just need a little bit bigger of, let's say, uh, a walk-in cooler. Somebody else, like say a yoga studio, may already have a really cool space upstairs, but they can't get more people in, so we need to take down a wall. Other businesses may just need better branding, better logos, uh, better location. So it all varies on the businesses. But what I love is watching um, the team worked together to, to sort out exactly what the needs are and the realization of that was the only barrier that was standing in their way. And all of a sudden, the next thing you realize, once that barrier's down, like business is booming. And that's what we want. Season four of Small Business Revolution is available now on Hulu. Ty, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. We're joined now by the creator and host of the show, Small Business Revolution, Amanda Brinkman. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. So we spoke to your co-host, Ty Pennington, earlier. Uh, can you describe the process of, of thinking of Ty and, and bringing him onto the project, as well as the difference between what each of you bring to the table when, when approaching business revitalization? I'm sure you had quite a bit of fun talking to him, so that is, that's part of why we work with him, because uh, he is such a charismatic personality. Um, so in each episode of our show, we're really trying to help make over a different small business, and the things that we focus in within the episode take different skill sets. So for me, myself, uh, my team from Deluxe and I really help the businesses get their marketing in great shape, so anything they need to market their business. Uh, we sit down and help them with their finances, getting to know their numbers and what the numbers are telling 
telling them. And then we help invest in some physical transformations to the business as well. And so that's where Ty works with my team and local contractors to really help with things that physically um, might be needed within the space. So whether it's a new awning, new equipment, a new paint job inside, we invest about $25,000 of, of capital and investment into the actual physical transformation of the business as well. And so in seasons one and two, Robert Hershevac from Shark Tank was uh, my co-host, and he was great at helping the businesses with their finances. And for season three, we thought it would be a fun time to change it up, and nobody says uh, renovation more than Ty Pennington. <laughs> um, it's kind of his brand, and so he was the perfect choice for our season three and four co-hosts uh, because he brings really that makeover uh, show feel to it. On the show, you're, of course, limited to how many businesses you can directly work with, and you go through a selection process. What are some of the signs that a business would benefit from your help to make it more successful? And are these signals uh, an individual business owner can try to identify to uh, see if they can make their own business healthier? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, so often in, you know, we see that businesses are struggling with the marketing piece. So very few small business owners started their business because they couldn't wait to build a website or to design their logo or to figure <laughs> out what the heck SEO is and how that contributes to uh, website traffic. So with all the businesses, we're really looking for ones that marketing will make the biggest difference from where they are today to the future that they envision for themselves. And so uh, that's one of the things that we're always looking for in the businesses that we're going to have. Help. That's what Deluxe does. Um, and so we want to make sure that what we do on a day to day basis for four and a half million small businesses can be directly applied to those that we work with in the show. Um, so we definitely look for that. But I think a lot of businesses can identify whether or not they need help with that as well by some kind of just simple tests. So the first thing is are you findable online? You know, can people find your business? Uh, so often uh, businesses either don't have a website, about 50% of businesses even in 2019 still don't have websites. Uh, they're either relying on a Facebook. Facebook page or some other social platform to be the way people find them or they'll find themselves on a map app and think that, that they've kind of checked the box in terms of people being able to find them. But really checking kind of how findable are you online when people are searching for your kind of product or category is really the first thing to, to look at from a business perspective to know whether or not you have opportunity for growth. Are there differences in how to approach marketing in a small town versus a big city? I mean, it was the technology around branding and social media, it's, it's changing and it's evolving so quickly. Uh, and it's so, you know, it's so important based on consumer habits. So how important is it for a small town business versus a big city business? And what are the differences between the two? So the great thing about marketing today is that uh, when you think about your online presence, you can show up big online. Whether you're in a small town or a large urban area, you can both have the same level of professional website. You can make sure that your um, online listings are claimed. You can have a great professional-looking logo. And so what we love about marketing is it really levels the playing field. But it's just as important in a small town to make sure that your marketing is in great shape. Because not only can people from outside of your town patron your business or find it, but it's really important to be showing up locally. So, for example, one of the businesses we worked with in Season 4 in Searcy, Arkansas, is a coffee um, shop. And they also sell creperies, which is a, a definitely <laughs> um, a unique uh, food option in a small uh, rural town in the middle of Arkansas. But they were listed on Google as a creperie, and they couldn't figure out why nobody would 
come to them for coffee or when they searched for themselves that they were like number 14th or 16th on the list depending on which search engine they were using. And so we just went in and helped them claim their Google listing and fix what they were listed as. And so businesses have control over that, but it's especially vital in a small town that you have the, that local search locked down and that you're listed the way you want to be, that your hours are accurate, and that you're responding to reviews. And so few businesses, whether it's in a small town or a large urban area, haven't uh, made that simple step of just uh, claiming their listings. Great. And one thing you... Uh it seems like you've, you do multiple times on the show is send some of the business owners to uh, classes or you have them take business classes online. Is that something you recommend all business owners do, um, even if they're you know a very local, small business? And what are some of the fundamentals an entrepreneur should be seeking out uh, from classes? We just really want entrepreneurs to know their numbers and also what the numbers are telling them. And so there are so few businesses that really understand their own finances and so while we try to help them with that through the course of working together we really want them to have control and knowledge over that knowledge is power and so the more you know about uh, the metrics of your business the better informed decisions you can make um, the best way you can tell whether or not you should hire someone the numbers will tell you that if you know what to look for whether or not you should add more hours or when those hours should be uh, the numbers can tell you that but so often, again, just like business owners didn't start a business to do marketing, they rarely got into it because they couldn't wait to manage a balance sheet or do accounting <laughs> or annual taxes. So we just really recommend that they arm themselves with that knowledge so that they can get back to doing what they love and so that they can do it more efficiently. What are some of your steps to revitalizing I should say, I guess when you when you sit down with a small business owner, what are the differences in terms of the advice you give for an existing business that's not seeing growth versus somebody who's sort of just starting out with this idea that they want to turn into a business? Uh, well, again, in both cases, we see that, that marketing makes the biggest difference. So often we're talking to business owners, they say, well, I got to wait until I grow to a certain point before I can invest in marketing I need to they almost see it as a luxury but we often say it's not that you have to wait until you can afford to do it you can't afford not to do it I mean it's really important that you um, start out uh, right away with a great professional branding that you have a website that you're findable online uh, because again you can show up like a business that's been around for years just with the professionalism of the look and feel, again, of your site and of your of your branding. And so whether it's a startup or someone who's been in business for a long time, one of the biggest things we work with them on is just really creating that consistent brand and minding their online presence. So obviously this is a tough question to ask you, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, what are, Do you have any <laughs> sort of dollar amount to shoot for for a small business when they have these these hesitations with you about not being able to afford it do you is there a baseline number that you say listen you can get into this at this amount uh, yeah I, any investment it is tough to answer because it really depends right. on percentage of revenue the industry so so you're you're um, wise to acknowledge it's a tough question <laughs> on the way in but we really just tell them to to start small I mean really. Paid advertising, especially on social platforms, can be a really great way to test into uh, kind of that return on investment. It's very measurable. There's a very low price point to gain involved. I mean, it might be very intimidating to a business to do a whole TV ad campaign or 
or rent a billboard, but you can spend a couple hundred dollars on Facebook or on Instagram, and you can start to measure right away if that's driving traffic to your website, if you're seeing some conversions from that, what kind of engagement it's driving. I think a lot of uh, businesses are, again, waiting for to get to a certain point before they start dabbling or investing, but even just with a couple hundred dollars, it's great to just experiment with it and, and see uh, what that return is. And then you can decide to invest more. I'm curious uh, how big a role you consider the local economy to play in a small business's success. I imagine a town that's lost its major employer will, of course, see a ripple effect with other local businesses. Uh, but are there things a small business can do to try to keep it afloat or revitalize it when there's not necessarily a local economic boom going on? Great question. And that's part of why the show really focuses on small towns kind of as our uh, conceptual wrapper, mm-hmm. because we really find that that's where small businesses are struggling the most. I mean, it's hard to run a small business, <laughs> whether you're in a major city or a small town. But for small town um, businesses, they can o- they often feel like they can only rely on kind of that local economy, as you noted. So what we really in- encourage them to do is, is get out within the community and get involved. Small businesses have... Um, so much compassion, empathy for their local environment and are already giving back in disproportionate ways. Um, They're the ones who are sponsoring the Little League team or when they grow and hire someone else, they're hiring someone from that community. So they already have kind of that predisposition to being involved in the community. But we even find in some of the towns we go and work with that there will be business owners that have never maybe talked before or figured out how they could collaborate or or work together on uh, recommending business to each other. And so we really just uh, advise them to, to think about your local market. Think about it as an addressable market like you would with any marketing challenge and then figure out how to get in front of those, uh, those consumers. Have you seen cases in the show or even just in your career where a small business wants to do one thing and then they find that they're almost accidentally having success with something else and then they need to decide basically – hey, we need to switch to that versus, hey, we need to convince those customers to buy this instead. Uh, I would think that's a real challenge for business owners who maybe their dream and the whole point of them starting a small business is based on one thing that they really wanted to make or they really wanted to sell or it's something that was handed down from you know from generation to generation. And then they realize, hey, this other thing is actually working. Should I switch to that or, or should I try to bring those customers over to this? All the time. You couldn't be more right. Um, And what we find is that often they're not listening to those leading indicators and they're just so uh, committed to that original idea that they maybe miss a whole different opportunity to your point. And so we really encourage business owners, yes, go in with a plan. Go in with what you think your audience is going to want. Have have some predictions around that. Know how you're going to grow in that area. But if the business and your customers start to tell you something different, you got to listen to that. Like that, there's nothing wrong with optimizing your business plan or even changing courses. You you have to follow uh, not just the money, but you 
You have to follow what your customers are telling you and what they need. And sometimes as business owners, we may make assumptions about what they need or want out of the kind of product or service we offer. But if there's demand for something else and you have capacity and expertise to be able to deliver it, absolutely capitalize on that. And don't be afraid to change course. That is certainly not a sign that your original idea was a failure. You just have more data now. And so work off of that data to, to continue to evolve your business. So you've done four seasons of Small Business Revolution now uh, in four different cities, four different states, if I recall correctly, Indiana, Pennsylvania, uh, Illinois, and now Alabama. Um, they're four places that certainly have a lot of similarities, but based on geography and other factors, they also have a lot of differences. Uh, have you found it's easier in any place over another for a business to be successful or for Main Street overall to have a comeback based on the town itself or where it's located? That's such an interesting question. We thought we might, but it really, mm-hmm. small towns across the country are all struggling with very similar things. They've had a large industry uh, leave or close up or, re- or greatly reduce the amount of employment that they offer to the town. They've had major uh, routes or, or um, highways rerouted around the historic main street, and so they're not relying on that, uh, that traffic that once was driving people to the main street. They've had large uh, big box retailers move on in the of town national restaurant chains are seeping in so they all kind of have these same pressures on their small businesses but it's not just the pressure on their small businesses it's a real pressure on the whole town because it's starting to erode the character of the town Uh, because really when you think about it a a small town is made up of its small businesses Um, when you tell someone to go visit uh, Red Wing Minnesota for example you talk about uh, you know Hannish Bakery and how you got to check out their donuts and you have to stay at the historic St. James Hotel it's probably haunted and (laughs) Red Wing Brewery has the most interesting pizzas made out of you know spent wheat and so you get all of these you know interesting recommendations and stories about a town through its small businesses. That's what people usually talk about when they're telling you to go visit somewhere. And so we thought that that might be more classic in the Midwest where there's been a lot of industrialization and industries kind of leave or go overseas. But we see that we see that happen in the Northeast and the South, and we've certainly seen it in the towns that we visited even in the West. And so I think across the country, our small towns are really trying to figure out what is that new identity now that they can't rely on kind of one singular employer, and what does the future look like for them? Yeah, and I imagine the right location for many local businesses is key, or at least the business owner thinks of it as very key. Um, and so in a small town where prime Main Street storefronts are limited, or like you mentioned, maybe not as uh, uh, doesn't attract the foot traffic that it once did, how concerned should a business owner be with the location itself? Um, and is it worth spending more on or should they focus more on trying to uh, create a stronger online presence to try to offset a less popular location? Um, well, I think it really depends. Another great question. I think it really depends, obviously, on the product or service, but let's say it's a retailer. I think there's a, a real important thing to think through in terms of how easy it may be to compete online for that particular mm-hmm. product. So like in, in season two in Bristolboro, Pennsylvania, we worked with the most <laughs> dynamic and charismatic uh, business owner. Her name is Paulette. She runs this great women's boutique called Polka Dot Parlor. And we saw that she was spending 
hours, maybe three or four hours a night um, into the wee hours of the morning, making sure every single SKU she had in the store was available on her website. And not only was that a huge workload, but she was competing with major retailers who are, you know, dramatically outspending her in terms of um, not just making sure they have their SEO lockdown, but and on SEM and buying AdWords and, and keywords. And so there was just no way that she was going to pop up for a similar label or under a similar term for the kinds of things that she was selling. And so while e-commerce may have been an option for her to sell outside of her community, we really encouraged her to think about not just the local Bristol borough population, but then surrounding counties. Um, they have a lot of people coming in for different festivals. How could she tie into those? How could she make sure that she um, is uh, bringing in people for different reasons uh, from different local counties with, within? So it's not always just your small town. But I think the, the most important thing in terms of staying in the small town is that the business owner has to decide whether or not that quality of life is what they're after. I mean, the real luxury of running your own business should be that you get to choose where you live um, and you get to kind of control your own and build your own destiny. And so if, if someone just absolutely loves the town that they live in and wants to see it be successful, I think it's about getting creative about surrounding areas and still minding your online presence, but being maybe a little bit more judicious about where you think you can compete. As we finish up here, Amanda, do you have any favorite stories or anecdotes from the show that you can tease out here that really made you realize that you're making a difference for, for these small businesses? Oh, my goodness. Oh, yes, so many. So I think maybe one of my favorites is from season one uh, with Lisa Downs, who runs Ellen's Dress and Bridal. So um, it's a, a it sounds just like it is. It's a bridal shop in Wabash, Indiana, which is a town of about 10,000 people, kind of in the middle of the cornfields uh, in, in Indiana. And so her addressable market, you know, the number of people actually getting married is obviously a finite number. Um, and so she really had to rely on bringing people in from other local markets. Indianapolis is drivable. There are about three or four other major markets that were definitely drivable for Wabash for kind of a bridal destination type experience. So we encouraged her to partner with other businesses that could enhance that kind of come and plan your wedding um, in Wabash. Not to have the wedding there necessarily, but all the things you need for your wedding day can all be kind of purchased in Wabash, make it a little um, getaway. But the biggest thing that was a challenge for her business is when we started working with her, she was about $100,000 in debt three years into the business and hadn't yet paid herself. And we see this with businesses across the country. A lot of businesses haven't actually yet paid themselves. And, uh, but the biggest thing that was, was giving her so much pressure was the purchase minimums for the dresses that she was carrying. And her purchase minimums as a small town dress retailer were the same purchase minimums that designers had for large chains like a David's Bridal. And when you think about that, how could a small retailer like that possibly have the same kind of uh, capital <laughs> exposure as uh as what a major retailer would. And so we encouraged her to work with the dress manufacturers and see if that was something that could be addressed, either based on addressable market, revenue size, whatever the right metric might be, but just adjusting those minimums for these small-town bridal retailers because they're across the country. And so others had to be struggling with the same thing she was. And so she did. And the, the bridal dress industry rose up and 
worked with her on this and um, changed the purchase minimums for small town bridal shops across the country. And so not only did it help Lisa in Wabash, Indiana, but there are bridal shops across the country now that are going to be able to stay in business and maintain the kind of purchase minimums they need because Lisa kind of took this momentum and the investment of time and and um, confidence we were giving her in running her business and helped kind of spread it to other people within the same industry. So I think when I think about the ripple effect, it's the capital that we in, that Deluxe invests, the marketing makeovers, all of that is extremely helpful. But I think it's this notion of confidence that we tell small business owners that we see them, we hear them, and we believe in them. And we never change the passion that they have or the spirit by which they do the work. We're just there to walk alongside them and help them really grow their business. All right, last thing I tend to ask most of the guests this towards the end of the show if you have to give your three uh, your three big nuggets your three big nuggets of advice for somebody with a, either trying to grow their small business who's struggling or somebody who has that idea but hasn't quite transformed it yet as it relates to small businesses i think the number one thing is from the very get-go, you have to value your time as as valuable a resource as your money. So where should you uniquely be spending your time to grow your business? What are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? And again, what are you uniquely qualified to? And then try and outsource the rest. Your time is of value. So even though you could figure out how to do it all, is there someone else who could do it faster and better so you can spend your time on the things that matter to grow it? The second thing is invest in marketing right away. And not necessarily advertising, but when I say marketing, I mean make sure you have a really uh, beautiful professional-looking website, a consistent brand, um, a great business cards. All of those things right away position you as a legitimate business, both consciously and subconsciously to your audience. And so really investing and making sure you have that locked down from the beginning will just set you up for success because you'll, you'll appear so professional. And the third thing is try to remember that you started this business because you have a passion for something, because you want to do something unique. Most small business owners we work with wanted to give something back to the community or make a difference. I speak a lot on this topic of how companies, small or big, should really focus on how can you do well by doing good, that these two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. So don't lose sight of the fact that you started this business for a reason. It's going to be a lot of work. And you need to continue to love it and feel like the business you started is giving back to the world in a really um, important way. And so it can be easy to get caught up in the day-to-day, but don't try to lose sight of the big picture of why you started the business to begin with. I'll add one more to that. If you want more great insight from Amanda, check out Season 4 of Small Business Revolution on Hulu. Amanda, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you. And Devin, I appreciate you coming on. We'll see you again on our next real estate episode. Yes, see you then. And a thank you to our listeners. Please subscribe to Wealth of Knowledge on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to rate it, comment on it. And if you have personal finance questions related to debt, saving money, loans, or credit you'd like answered on future shows, please email wealthofknowledge at usnews.com. We'll review your emails, and we'll try to answer a few on the next personal finance episode. Finally, if you'd like to read up on personal finance information, check out money.usnews.com, where we have all sorts of advice on taxes, spending, budgeting, banking, and much more. Thanks for listening to Wealth of Knowledge. I'm Antonio Barbera. See you next week.
Meet Miguel. He has investments through principal. Hi there. Miguel finally had the opportunity to buy his dream car in retirement. But life changed when his 16-year-old granddaughter moved in. We're happy to have her. With the help of his advisor, Miguel reworked his financial plan, and now that dream car looks a little different. We just want it to be safe for her to drive. We can help you plan for that. Principal. Investments. Retirement. Insurance. Start today at Principal.com. Principal Life and Principal Life Insurance Company is Principal Global Investors, Principal Securities, Inc. Member SIPC, member companies of Principal Des Moines, Iowa.